0: Welcome to the Jesus Image Podcast. I want to talk about something that is not uh, talked about a lot in many, many churches. And I want to talk about mortifying the deeds of the body through the Holy Spirit. Because I think it's so important that we have to understand what the Bible says about it. So would you lift your hands to heaven and say, Dear Lord, Dear Lord help me understand it Amen. and receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. So let me begin reading myself and then I'll have Dion help me. Therefore, brethren, I'm Romans eight twelve. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the spirit do mortify, or put to death, the deeds of the body, ye shall live. Now, I want you to to just think about these words a little bit. If ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the spirit, Do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. And just think for a a few moments about this, because I think this is a most important and searching portion of Scripture. So when you read these words, especially verse 13, for if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die, but if ye through the Spirit, now notice it didn't say the Spirit through you, It says, you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. And then verse 14, finally, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So when you read this, you see five things that really catch your attention in these amazing verses. Number one, who is it talking to? The individual that Paul is writing to. Number two the frightening warning in it. Number three, the duty of the listener or the one receiving it. Number four, the helper provided, the Holy Spirit. And number five, the promise for keeping it. So let's go through it again and look at these five uh, truth in it. So, verse 13. For if ye, who is the ye here? Who's, who is who, who's he talking to? The believers. And we'll show you that in just a second. If ye, after, if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. So he's talking to the believer. He says, you. He's not about somebody else. And secondly, it's the frightening warning. He says, you'll die. If you live after the flesh, you'll die. But if you through the Spirit. So the third thing we are really looking at is the duty, our duty as listeners, because he's giving us a job to do. If you live after the flesh, you the church, you'll die. That's the warning. But if you, your duty, the the one listening, through the Spirit. Here's here's the helper provided. Do mortify the deeds of the body. You live. So, he's talking to the believer because, Dion, would you mind reading verse 1 for us of the same chapter?
1: There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Let's
0: read verse 2, please.
1: For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death.
0: So he's talking to us believers. Look at verse four, please. That the righteousness of the law might be
1: fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. So
0: notice how many times he's saying to us, okay, there's therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ. So that's the church. Verse two, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me That's talking to us. Verse 4, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. So it's the church. And then you also look at verse 5 and 6. Dion.
1: They that are flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and
0: peace. Okay, he's still talking to the church. And then he says something. In verse 12, that again says he's talking to us. Let's, let's read verse 12, please, Dion. Therefore,
1: brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live
0: after the flesh. Okay, so he's talking to the brethren, right? So he's talking to us. So this is a great warning for all of us. Okay, so now <clears throat> it is possible, according to this portion, it is possible to go back into death. That's the warning, right? It's possible to die again and go back into death. Because he says, he says, for if, in verse 13, for if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. Now, I actually shared this message last night with Michael and Jessica, and Michael said, Bob, you got to share this. That's what he calls me by the way, but you you can't call me that, but he can. <laughs> Bob for Baba, you know? But anyways. So that is so important that we have got to understand after we have known life, think about that warning. After we have known life, he says, Ye shall die if you choose to live after the flesh. Come on, yeah, come on, somebody. Thank you, lady. <laughs> There's a good Pentecostal woman here. (laughs) Sorry. When I began preaching years ago in this church, sometimes they would talk to me, see? And I told them not to talk to me, but here you can. I've I've become much nicer since those days. As you get older, you get sweeter. Or nicer, whatever. Okay, so... In verse 12, it says something important. I think we we all kind of need to, to pay attention to. Brethren, therefore brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh. We don't owe anything. We do not owe the flesh anything. To live after the flesh. So what Paul says here is we owe our debt to God, not to the flesh. Why? Well, because he gave us life. He gave us his spirit. We owe him our being, our existence. Jesus has paid with his own blood to give us life. So we owe him everything. We don't owe the flesh anything. Now, that is telling me that Jesus has absolute priority in our lives. Let's go to uh, 1 Corinthians 6. 1 Corinthians 6. And we're going to read verse 19 and 20. I'm going to have Dion read that for us. But I just want you to see something. He bought you with his blood. You don't owe the flesh Anything. You owe God everything. So it says in 1 Corinthians six, nineteen and twenty, please, Dion, go ahead. What? Know ye not that Yeah, your... now he says what like pay attention. <laughs> yeah, don't
1: you know? Okay. Please, what? Dion. Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God and not of your own? for you were bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's.
0: That's marvelous. Now, Ephesians 2.10, let's go to it also, says that we are his workmanship or creation. And I'm just pointing out to you again and again, we owe God everything. We don't owe the flesh anything. We don't need to live after the flesh. It's not the boss. Yeah. So God Almighty says in his word, Ephesians 2.10. Let's go, Dion, please. We are his
1: workmanship. Created, his
0: workmanship. created Because in- it says in the Psalms, in Psalm 139, we'll go to it probably in just a little bit, how God Almighty wrote our members in a book. Think about the love of God, that every part of your body was written in a book of remembrance. And that book is still there. It doesn't say God uh, destroyed it. He says, all my members in a book. I love that we'll look at that in just a second just to show you how how expensive you all are how valuable you all are to the lord way more than you even will ever realize so we are his workmanship created in not outside christ in christ jesus now let me let me just explain something to you about this word in you know the bible talks about being baptized in in Christ. Okay. That word in in the Greek gives the idea of you taking a piece of cloth and sticking it in a dye. When it comes out, it has a different color. So you have been baptized in Jesus. It means when you came out, you look just like him. Wow. wow. You look so beautiful, my darling. David, you're okay. <laughs> you got no 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 socks, but that's all right. I, I, you know, look, this is also my son-in-law, so I can talk to him like, like that. I said to him this morning, I said, you got no socks. And when, what did you say back to me? I said, I'm following your example. I... <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell them everything, David. <laughs> When I'm creative, I don't wear socks. (laughs) Hey, in this back room I was just in is where I wrote Good Morning, Holy Spirit. And the guy that helped me write it was named Bruce Barber. He was a Baptist. And he was sitting there. That was the first time I ever saw a guy with no socks. So he walks into my office back there and he got no socks. And I said, you got no socks? He said, that's the way I work. And that's when I thought, Hey, that's a good idea. <laughs> anyway, so. <laughs> that poor guy, I don't know, I'm going to give you a little, a little in about. How, how many have read Good Morning, Holy Spirit? Okay. When we wrote it, he was smoking a cigar. The poor guy came in with a cigar. Whatever. And I said to him, I said, why do you smoke a cigar while working? He said, because it relaxes me. And then I said, well, can we pray, Please. For the book, I mean, for the book. He says, okay. He still had that cigar in his mouth. I'll never forget that, that guy. (laughs) Southern Baptist did not know a thing about the Holy Spirit. Not a word. I need to tell you the story, by the way, real quickly. I'll go back to my message. Just to show you how God works. I gave the book to a Pentecostal charismatic publisher in Tulsa. And the owner said, it'll never sell. He said, we don't want it. And the owner of Thomas Nelson Publishers, Sam Moore, Baptist, I was at the NRB, he walks up to me, he's from Lebanon, walks up to me, says, I want your book, and if you do not give it to me, I'll kill you. (laughs) That's what he said. He said, I want your book, and if you do not give it to me, I will kill you. That's the way they talk, you know, the Arabs. (laughs) Lebanon, you know. Wild, wild east. You know, it's not the Wild West. Wild east. <laughs> I said, it's yours. And that Baptist publishing house that is now, uh, of course, they've been bought by others. Now it's Harper Collins. It was Thomas Nelson. They took that book. Baptist people were weeping as they were, were working on it. And Bruce, who came from that company, sat back there. When I began praying, that guy was sobbing. He said, you feel this here? I said, yes, it's the Holy Spirit. And he stopped smoking and never smoked again. I think God just convicted him real big. So he, he put that cigar off and he was crying the whole time writing. I thought, boy, God did it, didn't he? Anyway, so back to what I was saying earlier. In Christ, when, when, when you talk about like, Romans 6, you know, we are baptized in Christ. It means we come out with his image or his nature, really is a better word. So think about what it says here. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So we, O the Lord, We owe the Lord our life. We owe the Lord everything. And frankly, I want to say just a few things here. Having brought us from death to life, renewed us, continues to renew us into his image, making us sons and daughters. Not only do we owe him our life, our strength, our service, but something else. Let's go to Luke 17, verse 10. I want to show you something that is really important, okay? And this I'm sure you've read, but maybe you never put it in the light. I'm, I'm presenting it to you. So let's look at Luke, Luke chapter 17, verse 10. So likewise, Jesus said, Ye, when ye shall have done all those things which are commanded you, say, We are unprofitable servants, we have done that which was our duty to do, meaning our obedience to God is a debt we owe. May I say it again? Okay, so I just told you, we owe the flesh zero. We owe God everything. Our obedience is a debt. Because it says, when you've done all the things that are commanded you to do, You need to say, I'm simply an an unprofitable servant. I have done my duty. So my duty is what I owe the one who gave me life. Are you guys catching it? My duty is to literally give my life to the Lord completely, giving him my strength, giving him everything. And Paul is making a very powerful statement where he says in Romans 8, you do not owe your flesh anything. So don't submit to it. My son in law Michael last night said, Bobby said, Do you put a difference between the old man and the flesh? I said, I consider the old man dead. It's not eliminated. It is dead to me. We reckon ourselves dead, is what the Bible says. But the flesh, that's a different matter altogether. And I'll explain that as I'm going here, okay? So, let's just go now to Second Corinthians 5, chapter 14. and uh, Sorry, verse 14 and 15. We're going to have Dion read that for us. So, I'm still really... Kind of repeating that same point, we owe God our life and all that is in us and all that belongs to us because our obedience to him is a debt we owe. Now in 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15, we see a very important verse here. Please go ahead, Dion.
1: The love of Christ constraineth us, because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all are dead. Keep going. And that he died for all, that they which live should henceforth live Live
0: unto themselves no more. Not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him who died for them and rose again. So we don't live unto ourselves anymore. We live unto the Lord. Back to the same point of Romans 8, where Paul says in verse 12, we don't owe the flesh anything. Now, let's not live after the flesh. What does that really mean? Let's go to Galatians 6. I wanna, I'm, I'm breaking it down kind of slowly for you so you can digest it properly. Sometimes it's easier to eat slowly. You know, get it slowly. Because sometimes I think uh, preachers, sometimes we we give so much information, people cannot, you know, grasp it. They, they're like, they only pick piece, the piece here and a the piece there. So uh, what does it mean to live after the flesh? Well, here's what it says in Galatians 6, 8. Dion, please.
1: For he that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap everlasting life.
0: Okay, so. Here we have a very serious warning. It says if we sow to the flesh, we will reap what? Corruption. All right. Jesus made a very powerful statement one day in Luke 11 and verse 35. He said, Take heed that the light in you does not become darkness. Take heed. Be careful. that The light in you does not become darkness. So it says... Therefore that the light which is in thee be not darkness. That's a warning to all of us. How quickly we can go back to the darkness we came out of. And so Paul says, look, you don't owe that darkness anything. You don't owe the flesh anything. You owe your life to God. Even your obedience is a debt. So do not Begin sowing anything in that old man, old life, whatever you want to call it, the flesh. And the Lord now reminds us in Luke 17, 32, he says, remember Lot's wife? She looked back. And then in Luke 21, 34, let's read that portion, please. Luke 21, 34, please, dear. And take heed to yourselves,
1: lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with uh, suffering and drunkenness and the cares of this life, and so that the day come upon you unawares.
0: Alright, so he says, Be careful that you do you do not become occupied. And take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged charged with surfeiting, and that word surfeiting, by the way, means carousing, uh, you know, having parties and drinking and having whatever, and drunkenness, and the cares of this life. So here we, we, we have warning after warning after warning. It's possible to go back into the death we came out of. That's a warning for all of us. Now, all right. So what does the Bible mean by flesh in the scripture? It's the corrupt nature which is in every human being that enters into the world. It is passed from parent to child. So when we talk about the flesh, biblically speaking, we're speaking about the corrupt nature that Adam passed on to us. Now, something also that I want you to to, to get clear on. When God created Adam, he said, very good, meaning there was no corruption. So when God created Adam, Look what the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 7.29. Am I giving you too much information? Good, you're quite smart then. Okay, Ecclesiastes 7.29 says something quite interesting. He says, lo, this only have I found, that God hath made man upright. Stop, 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 stop. Look, look, look. look. God could not have created Adam with corruption in him because he's God. His works are perfect the Bible says. But Adam sought many inventions. God gave that man a he gave that man a will to choose life or death. So God put two trees in the garden. Why did God create Adam? to share his love with him. Love is not loved until it is given away. So God Almighty created man in his own image and poured his love upon him. But God did not want to force Adam to love him. He had to choose. So he said, okay, here's a massive garden. And that garden went from where? From the Euphrates, Iraq, presently, right to Ethiopia. That's a big chunk of the planet. That's the biggest garden ever put together. And God said, okay, in this massive garden, there's two, two, two trees here. There's one for life and one for death. You choose. We all know what happened. So. He chose, he sought inventions. He chose the wrong thing, didn't he? So that corrupt nature entered into that man when he disobeyed. And that corrupt nature is born in a child. Every time a child is born, he is born with that nature. In sin, David says, my mother conceived me. So, when, when we talk about the flesh, we are talking about enmity against God. The flesh is an enemy that cannot, or an enmity, I don't even want to call it an enemy because I want to explain the difference. It's an enmity that cannot be reconciled with God. It's irreconcilable. It cannot be reconciled. It's enmity, plain and simple. That enmity came when Adam chose to disobey, to rebel. Romans 8, 7, which we all should know by heart. It says the carnal mind is enmity against God. You can reconcile with an enemy. You cannot reconcile with enmity. I think that just went right over your head. You can reconcile with an enemy. You cannot reconcile with enmity. Satan is the source of enmity. He's a rebel in his heart. I hope you heard that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Thou was perfect in all thy ways until iniquity was found in thee, God says in Isaiah about the devil.
1: Can I give you a little
0: information? Can you handle it? You're sure? You're not going to (laughs) choke? You know, some people have been drinking skim milk too long. If you give him milk, they'll choke on that thing, man. I'll tell you what. Okay, who is the devil? Well, he's the light-holder at one time. He was called the light-holder. Lucifer, light-holder. That's what that word means. He had access to the throne of God. He walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire before the throne. He was the most powerful being God created the only angel with two offices. He was a cherub that covers and an archangel. That's quite power. A lot of power there. And God gave him the planet Earth to rule. Because when God created Adam, the devil was there already. And a third of the angels went with him and rebelled. Shows you how much power he had to convince the angels that God is evil. And a third of all angels said, you're right. We know demons exist. Who are they? Where where do they come from? I have my opinion. I don't want to mess you up. That's for the next teaching. I don't believe demons are angels. Because angels don't need your body, demons do. Demons will settle for a pig. Remember one day when they said, Jesus, just let us go in there. Don't send us into the deep, or the pit. Most demons today are in a place called the pit, according to Revelation. So we'll not talk about that now. That's too much for some of you. You may choke on that one, so we'll leave it alone. But the devil, the devil, let's talk about him. At one time, he was perfect in all his ways. It says so in Isaiah 14. Ezekiel 28 is quite fabulous about who he is. Okay? But with such power, he would convince The first creation of God, both Adam and Eve, who were, by the way, called Adam. Because in Genesis 5, it says, he called them Adam. It was Adam that called Eve, Eve. God never gave her that name. You know that, right? How many of you did not know that? I'm Glad I'm telling you. If you read Genesis 5, it says, he called them Adam. But Adam gave her the name Eve. Hava in Hebrew, the mother of all living is what the word means. Hava, Hava, Hava. So we say Eve, Eve. No, it's not Eve, it's Hava. It's okay, it's okay, it's okay. The English language has messed up some, some words in Hebrew anyways. But the thing is to show you the power of the devil. To convince one third of all angels to leave God and rebel. To convince the first creation who was created upright. Keep that up there, will you? Keep that word up because I want it. Okay. He was created upright. No, no, no. Back to Ecclesiastes. It's okay. It's okay. Don't worry about it. It says man was created upright, but he sought him many inventions. Okay? But the thing is, it shows you the power of the enemy. That's why we need the Holy Spirit you would not be able to stand for a second if it wasn't the Holy Ghost in you keeping it standing. If he could convince one third of the angels and, con- and convince Adam and Eve at the time of purity in their life, covered with the glory of God, according to Psalm 104, they were covered with light. You're not covered with light. They were. And he had enough power to get through that, to convince them God lied to them. Think about that. And that's his aim, to put doubt. The devil's weapon is a question, and you better have the answer. Are you listening? He said, did God really say that? Always questions, throwing questions at everyone. He threw questions at, at the Lord, if you're the son of God. That's a question. Did God really say that he said to Eve? Well, she wasn't sure about that, wasn't he? That poor woman didn't know what, what God said because her husband failed to tell her. Look, look, look. She sinned, but God blamed her husband. Why? Cause he never told her. Yeah. That lady, oh boy, that lady came came alive right now. <laughs> Come on, tell him. Who who's been talking back to me? Who are you? Okay, boy, you're a God. Love you, darling. She's even recording me right now. Hey, do I look all right? It's a deal. As long as you're taping, man, I might as well look the part. But I'm here to tell you. If Satan is that powerful to convince one-third of all angels and our father Adam and first mother Eve that God lied to them, what chance do we have? Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. We need the Holy Spirit way more than we realize we need him to keep us all standing up and strong against the devil. But the problem is today, our ignorance is the problem. The lack of knowledge is destruction. Right? My people are destroyed for lack of what? Well, let's get to know what God says about all this. And what I'm teaching today is, it's possible to go back into death. So, God has given you incredible Power in your life by the power of the Holy Spirit. So, if you, through the Spirit, not He through you, if you, through the Spirit, mortify the deeds of the body, you live. But I want to just say something that is very... Hey, are you enjoying this? Well, you better. I worked real hard at this thing, just for you. You had me get up at six this morning. That's a miracle by itself. God. All right. So, enmity, that enmity, that's what the devil put into Adam. Because he is the source of enmity. Like I said, you can reconcile with an enemy. You cannot with an enmity. He is the enmity of God. The devil. And he put that in that, in that mind of, of, of the rebellious men and women. All right, the flesh, when we talk about the, the flesh, it's the womb where all sin is conceived and formed. That's the flesh, that's, that's what the Bible means by the flesh. Now let's talk about the difference between being in the flesh and living after the flesh. There's two separate things here. That's why I said to you, can you handle more, okay? So let's look at uh, Romans 7:5, 7, Romans 7.5, and then we're going to read uh, Romans :8. 8, 8. OK, Dion. So because I want to explain the difference bet- between being in the flesh and living after the flesh. And today we're we'll talking about living after the flesh. Okay, let's go. Dion.
1: For when we were in the flesh, the motions of sins which were by the law did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. So
0: that, that Dion talks about when we were not saved. That was before salvation, because it says when we were in the flesh. Big difference between in and after. In the flesh means you're not born again yet, because it says the motions of sin which were by the law did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. But if you look at Romans 8, verse 8, it says, so then they that are in the flesh, in the flesh, cannot please God. So the same verse, the same word is Romans 8, 8. They that are in the flesh. when, when we talk about being in the flesh, it means before salvation, those outside the kingdom. Now, to live after the flesh is talking about a person who is saved but goes back living and conducting himself, doing exactly what the world does, becomes dominated by the fallen nature. He goes backwards, basically. So, In the flesh means you're not saved. After the flesh means you're saved and you begin to conduct your life with that old nature. You become dominated by the old nature. Is that clear? Okay. So a person can actually choose to be governed by the old nature. That's what God is warning us about. So at one time, that someone who's been born again, gloriously filled with the Holy Spirit, the glory of God is their life. But now when they go backwards and they become governed by the old nature, the glory of God becomes nothing to them and the flesh becomes everything to them. And you and I know people just like that. So that's why we're commanded. We were commanded in Romans six twelve something very important, and it shows us we can say no. Okay, now all of you say this after me: "Say, sin has access to my mind, but no authority over my will." Say it again. One more time. So you can be tempted, but you, you can say no. It has no authority over your will. Because God has given you his might, his power. Boy, that lady is something else. But I like her already. Just keep getting my picture that I look good for your camera. I'm a happy guy. No, look, look, look. It says be strong in the Lord. In the power of his might. Be strong in the Lord means be clothed by the Lord. Be baptized in the Lord. Then his might will work through you and in you, you have the power to say no because your will is not under the authority of sin. Your mind Maybe tempted, but when that temptation comes your way, don't lock it in by entertaining it. Because if you lock it in, you're in trouble. If you entertain it, you're in trouble. But if you call on the Lord, he'll make a way out for you. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians that God makes a way. No, we have to ask him to make a way. And then he'll he'll show you the way out. So when you're tempted and you feel like you're about to be overcome, just say, dear Jesus, help me. He'll make a way and you'll, you'll, you'll you'll be free. So you have that authority to say no by calling upon the Lord. He'll help you to say no. That's why it says in Be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the power of His might. Hallelujah is right. She's becoming my friend, that woman. Okay, so, let's let's read Romans 6, 12, which says something powerful. It says, let not sin therefore, why? Because your will is not under the authority of sin. You are the authority. Your will is under God's authority. Sin may, 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 or some temptation for sin may hit your brain, but it cannot r- rule your will. So let not sin, meaning you have the power to say no, reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it and the lust thereof. Uh-uh, we're not going to do that. Not going to do that. And verse 16 of that same chapter, would you please put that on the screen for us? Romans 6.16 says something else to us. It says, don't you know, know you not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, whether of sin, which will lead to death, or of obedience that will lead to righteousness. Look, this is a daily war. Get, get, get accustomed to it. We are in a daily battle to live holy. We are all tempted every day. Every day. You know who Evie Hill was? Anybody ever heard of Evie Hill? How many never heard of Evie Hill? Oh, he was a wonderful man of God in Los Angeles. He was powerful. He was a friend of mine. So he was on Larry King Live. Ever heard of Larry King, anybody? Okay. He was on Larry King Live. And uh, Larry King had, uh, I think, two or three with him, with Evie Hill. Uh, These Baptist preachers, they were all Baptists, including Evie Hill, but Evie Hill was kind of a charismatic Baptist. Anyways, so (laughs) Larry King asked those preachers, do you ever sin?" And all the others said no. Are you you ever tempted? No. (laughs) Evie Hill said, every day. (laughs) But then he did something powerful, right in front of Larry King. He says, well, Larry, when God looks at me, He looks at me through the blood. He said, I fall every day, but that blood is over my life. I love it, huh? But all those other boys wanted to be holy, falsely. We all fail. Come on. In, in, in sin, my mother conceived me, for goodness sake. We all want to be free from this old corrupt body of ours. We long, 2 Corinthians 5, we long to be free. Right? Thank God. But never forget that this body one day will become seed of resurrection. Isn't that glorious? This mortal shall put on immortality. This corruption will put on incorruption, will become glorious. What a day that will be. But today, we have to put this body under subjection all the time. Lest we ourselves become, you know, rejected like Paul said. So that's the battle. But it's worth it because Jesus is there to help us every step of the way. And the people said, Amen. because he was tempted in all points that we can come to him in our time of need and to rescue us. Thank God for Jesus. All right, now the Bible says clearly, let's keep that Romans 6:16 on for just a little bit longer. So, don't you know that to whom you yield yourself, okay? <sighs> The word in Scripture, the, the, the headline of Scripture is not try or try harder. It's yield. Yes. Yield unto God. I love that portion. But if you yield your members as servants unto righteousness, don't you know that to whom you yield yourselves servants, his servants you are, whether to sin or righteousness. So I can yield to the Lord. And what does yield mean? Surrender. How do I surrender? Let go. Let the Lord do the rest. Trust Him completely. Let Him live His life in and through you. Simplicito. I don't even know if that's a Spanish word, is it? I don't know. I just said a word that I just, I think, invented. Okay. So, no. We, we, we are talking about a matter of life and death. This is so important. So Romans 8, 13 again, if you live after the flesh, you'll die. And how do you do that? By sowing into it. By feeding it. With filthy programs on TV. Filthy magazines and corrupt books. And having... People around you are filthy. They talk filthy, they live filthy. And they begin to poison your purity. Don't let that happen. You're not known by the people you surround yourself with. You're known by the people you avoid. I hope you're learning something. Okay, so this is important. It's, it's, uh, it's life or death. Dear God, I want to get to heaven Clean, blameless. He's able to keep us from falling and to present us before the throne without blame. But we have to cooperate. We have to do our part. We don't want to suffer the second death, you know, right? I think you heard what I said. Yeah. Yeah. Meaning going back into death for the second time. No, we don't want that. The flesh belongs to the world and those who yield to it will perish with it. So, one more time, Galatians 6, 7 and 8. And I'm going to kind of complete my my teaching because I really want to get this through to you today because we all are responsible to stay holy. All right, let's look at Galatians 6, 7, and 8. For it says what? Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Verse 8, please. For he that soweth to his flesh. Now, remember what the flesh means. It doesn't mean your body. It means that old nature. He that soweth to to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. And then Colossians three, Colossians three, verse five and six. It's time. I think the time has come. We do it. It's time we do it. Coloss- Colossians three, five and six. Dion, would you mind, please? Mortify, therefore, your members- Mortify again means put to death. Go ahead
1: mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth fornication no un-
0: fornication no uncleanness no inordinate affection n- no evil wickedness either and and covetousness greed which is idolatry so we mortify our members by not allowing these things in our life not allowing those things in our life How? Uh-huh, good question. Verse uh, uh, Romans thirteen fourteen tells me how. How do I do that? How do I do that? How do I win and do that? Let's look at Romans, please. 13, verse 14. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, that's a good one. And then, and then you can make not provision for the flesh. To fulfill the lust thereof. Put on the Lord Jesus. That's the key right there. Put on the Lord Jesus and you will not give the flesh any chance to be fed. Make not any provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts which we just read in Galatians or in Colossians. To fulfill the lusts of the flesh. very important matter here, a life or death question here, really. So we are to deny it completely and we don't have to go and live in a cave in the Sinai to do that like some have tried to do, you know. You see I grew up, I grew up in Israel, there's a lot of... Uh, monasteries all over israel in the in the desert and i've i've gone to some of them and you see those priests they they look miserable absolutely miserable you walk in there you think they're yeah, god what are, why are they in there locked up in there no women allowed they won't even allow a woman in there in some of those monasteries just men with long beards Thank God I was spared that. And they cook their own food and grow up their own veget- uh, you know, vegetables and this and that. And they look terrible. You can't lock the world out even in a monastery. Only by the Spirit. Yes. Did, you, did you hear that? Yes. Only by the part of the Holy Spirit can we live that kind of life we're looking at and talking about. How many of you want to make heaven good? Come on. You want to make it just real good and strong in the Lord? Well, the Bible tells us how. But we all have had (laughs) our day when we just didn't know how to do this. We were young or didn't know what the Bible teaches or whatever. We've all been there. Come on, who hasn't been there? If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. But we know one thing, as we grow older in age and especially in the Lord we become stronger against this and we, we become more and more determined to live holy to live righteous i've had i've had my moments come on i'm now 70 uh, when i was in my 20s and 30s and 40s i didn't exactly I had a lot of <laughs> turbulence here and there we all have but thank god god picks us all up again cleans us all up again we go on and we grow in Jesus. Thank God the Lord has a big eraser. Thank God for that. Yeah, he always gives us a new day, a new chance. To say, Come on, fix it all up and go on. Because he knows our frame. He remembers we are dust. Are you listening? So don't condemn yourself. We've all been there. But the thing is, when you make that decision, Lord, I'm going to live for you. Lord, I want to I end up, I want to finish way better than I, when, when, when I began. Because it's not how you start, it's how you finish that matters. And the people said? Amen. Okay, so it says in, in the scriptures now, this is really important, we really get to it. It's a, it's a, it's a war, okay? We, we all know that. So Galatians 5, 16, 17 tells us it's a war we are, we are living in, but we win and we will win. Galatians 5, 16, 17, please on the screen if possible. This I say then, walk in the Spirit. Aha, this is it. And ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Next verse, it says, for the flesh lusteth, we see this is war now, against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary one to the other so that you cannot do the things you really want to do because that flesh is fighting you all the time. It's your biggest enemy. Nowhere in the Bible does it say, resist the flesh and it shall flee. It says resist the devil and he'll flee. But that flesh, you're stuck with it. It goes to bed with you. It eats breakfast with you. has lunch with you. It's in the car with you. The devil isn't there, but the flesh is there. So you put that thing under subjection and you keep it starved. You deny it completely. And so the Bible says we do that one way. Let's go back to Romans eight thirteen, please, Dion. You're going to read this for us because this is so powerful. You cannot do this on your own. I want to say it again. You cannot do this on your own. That's why we have to ask the Holy Spirit to strengthen us daily. Say daily. Daily. That's it. So it says in this amazing portion, Romans 8, 13, please, Dion, one more time. For if you live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if you through the Spirit... Okay, that's the really part I really want you to all focus on. But if you through the Spirit... Just go ahead and finish it, Dion, please. But if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. So it's not the Spirit through you, it's you through the Spirit. Why? He enables, but you act. Say, I act. act. He He enables. Say it again. One more time. So he is the one who enables you to live that kind of life, but you are the one that begins. You are the one that moves first. Then he moves after you have moved. So it says, if you, that's you acting, through the Spirit, Lord, I need your help. Holy Spirit, give me strength. Mortify the deeds of the body. Aha, he'll give you life. So you have to ask for his help. Make him your friend today. Make him your friend every day. Yes. But the problem is sometimes we ignore him and we get in trouble. One one lady said, "Well, who do I talk to, Benny? Do I talk to the Father, Son, or Holy Ghost?" I said, "There's no com- competition in the Godhead, lady. No competition. He's one. So please, enough of this. The Holy Spirit is God Almighty." He's the one here on earth with us, helping us. He helpeth our infirmity. He's the one who's here to help us. So let's ask him for help. If Jesus says, I'm giving you someone to help you, well, ask him for help. Oh God, help me. The Holy Ghost is saying, why don't they talk to me? Are they ignoring me? He is God Almighty with you. He's with you. He's in you. Don't ignore him. No more. Say no more. no more. I never got up on the platform and said, "Holy Spirit, never one time." I would say, "I always said, Holy Spirit, walk up with me. I need you up there," and he always showed up. To my amazement, at times he showed up when I was almost worn out. I was in Singapore one time. <laughs> I was with a big ministry. Kongi uh, had me there, and he had 20 he had something thousand young people mostly in a big stadium, so he, we, have, we had a morning meeting, and they couldn't get him in, so Kongi says, you, do you mind doing an afternoon and evening? I said, what? Three meetings in one day? Well, you wanna kill me? And I, and I was much younger then, he said, Brother Benny, listen, he said, those young people are really hungry for God. He said, you, you've, you've got to come back at 2 o'clock. I said, listen, listen, this was like 12 noon. And I said, I can't do this. I've got to come back again at 7. No, no, he said, we got to do this. He said God give you strength. <laughs> oh, they are God. And I, I, I was like worn out because I had to get up early with the time difference, with Singapore, all that. I was just messed up in my head. You know how it is with that time difference. What do you call it? Uh, jet lag, yeah, jet lag. So I didn't know what time it was. So I got up, had to push my body out of the bed that morning, the power of God hit so beautifully, but it was morning, I was, you know, okay. I mean, physically, did well. Afternoon, I couldn't even think straight. So I show up, I'm thinking maybe there would be a few people. It was more than the than, than the morning. That stadium was packed with with 20,000 kids. Well, it was some older people, but mostly young people. And I said, Holy Spirit, please, you gotta help me. I, I have nothing in me to give. I was so tired. And I saw these kids on the front row, just so starving for the Lord's power. And I went down and I grabbed the hand of some young man, I don't know who it was, some one, one, of his, one, one of the pastors from, from, from the church, uh, youth, whatever. So I, I took his hand like this to pray for it, and the whole lower floor went whoosh, like that. And the power of God went right through me, and I came alive. <laughs> when I touched that, that, that young man, the power of God hit me. I came, I woke up real quick. I went from tired to strong. And I preached for three hours that afternoon, didn't feel a bet of weakness. I thought, dear Lord, only you can do this. So the Lord said, go pray for that young man. So I said, Lord, help me. Holy Spirit, help me. He said, go go, go pray for him. So I went, you know, so almost <laughs> sleepy. And I took his hand because he had his hands up. I, I put my hand with, with, with his hand. The power of God went through my body. The entire floor of at least, I don't know what that thing seated down below, probably 12,000, just went like, like that. It, there was, people were screaming when that happened. And I thought, only the Holy Spirit can do that. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. What a God we serve. Yay! What a God we serve. But that's the part of God. You call on the Holy Spirit to help you. He's right there. Okay? So, when you feel that that moment in your life, oh God, I don't know if I can make it. This temptation is too strong. Lord, help me. He's right there. Call on him. His name is the Holy Spirit. What's his name? Holy so it says, if you through the Holy Spirit will mortify, it's going to happen. Okay, quickly. Second Corinthians seven verse one. I'm almost done. <laughs> I'm almost done. Okay. Second Corinthians seven one says, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. How beautiful. All right. So like David, we pray, Create in me a clean heart, O God. I pray that prayer, I think, every day. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Oh, dear Jesus, how I love that. Cast me not away from thy presence. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of salvation. And uphold me. Hold me up with a willing spirit. So shall I teach, transgressors, your ways and sinners. Be converted unto thee. Every day I pray that prayer almost. Because I cannot rely on myself. I was going to show you Psalm 139, but I think I've said enough. How important you and I are, helping their there, Joel. How important you and I are to the Lord. He's placed such value in us. Don't you think he's going to help you? Of course he will. So, we, by the Spirit, through the Spirit, through the strength of the Spirit, we, we have to perform, we have to act, but then he enables us with his power. Thank you, Jesus. If you
1: enjoyed this podcast, you can like and subscribe. To help us continue to reach people around the world with the gospel, give today at jesusimage.tv forward slash give. You can also join us in person or online every Sunday at Jesus Image Church. For more information on Jesus Image events, Jesus School, and resources, visit JesusImage.tv